Hey, hey, welcome in to another episode of Stummy Down. My name is JW, and as always, I'm here with my longtime friend Skinny, who is a little bit older, he's a little bit more married. Skinny, say hello to the people. Hey everybody, can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm married and I'm 50 at the same time. I didn't realize how weird that was until I got home, but thanks for reminding me. We had a great week down in the Outer Banks. Josh was there, he officiated my wedding. Kids, pools, beaches, beers, good times. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, what a great week we had. I was honored to officiate the wedding of you and Amy. She's a very lucky woman. <laughs> and uh, then obviously to celebrate your 50th birthday was uh, was also a lot of fun. Today, we are also recording for the very first time in Stubby Down history, in person, sitting next to each other. Happy to be recording in person, I can tell you that for sure. By the end of this one, we'll have 10 episodes of Stubby Down recorded. I'm super excited. As we always say here on Stub Me Down, everything is super. We have our own platform to discuss shows and remember things that we haven't talked about in a while. It's an amazing experience that uh, I would not trade for anything. On episode nine of Stub Me Down, Palace Intrigue, I stubbed Skinny Down on a government mule show from May 3rd, 2002, during the second weekend of Jazz Fest in New Orleans, Louisiana at the State Palace Theater. What a great show we had the opportunity to revisit. Government Mule and Warren Haynes brought out a number of guests, everybody from Jimmy Herring to the horns from Deep Banana Blackout, Skerrick from Les Claypool's Frog Brigade, Les Claypool himself, DJ Logic, just a great show to talk about, relive our trip down to New Orleans in 2002. Probably a tougher show for people to track down. It is not on Relisten. For some reason, Relisten does not have any government mule shows. If you are involved with Relisten, maybe let them know that they should add some government mule shows. This would be one for people to check out. The effigy in the first set, the Spanish moon in the second set. It was really fun and really was the theme song for our New Orleans experience. And while both of those songs are covers, Government Mule really did them justice. What a great weekend, a ton of music. Hopefully we'll get the opportunity to discuss some of the other music we saw over that weekend because, man, Skinny, we filled every moment we could with music while we were in New Orleans. There's no doubt about that. Every day we were there was music-driven. We haven't even talked about Jazz Fest itself which if you have not gone to Jazz Fest, after all this is over, meaning COVID, please do yourself a favor and put that on your list because you will see bands that you've never seen before, that you have seen before. It's just really driven by the spirit of the community that lives in New Orleans, by the people that visit one of my top 10 moments of all time. We're not into rankings here on Stub Me Down, but every once in a while, we might throw something out there at you. New Orleans, great town. Obviously, Jazz Fest is a musical delight of the senses. And New Orleans is just such a cool town. From the food to the people that live there, the scene, and it's more than just the quarter. We went up to the Mississippi River. We did some of the touristy stuff. 
and just a great trip. And really, episode nine was a fun trip down memory lane. And certainly that show, which, as we mentioned in the episode, neither of us had listened to in quite some time. So it was fun to pull that out. And it was also fun to talk about something that wasn't fish. It wasn't the Grateful Dead or Grateful Dead related, which has really been the focus of the first eight episodes of the podcast. No doubt we'll definitely be talking about Mule in the future on Stub Me Down. I hope so. Mule was one of those bands that really gets you going, and we've driven a lot of miles to see them too. So even though we have talked about Grateful Dead related, Jerry Garcia, Fish, definitely, I think I'm beating you on episodes. You're stubbing me down today with Billy stubbing us down in episode five, Corota is, Fishman isn't. I only stubbed you down four times, and today will be your fifth stub down of me. So you're beating me by one, but I was happy to relinquish that one so that Billy could stub us down for that March 1st, 2003 fish show at Greensboro Coliseum. So I'll give you the victory for this first 10 episodes, but we've got a long way to go, my friend. Yes, you probably will get me down the road, I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you've seen that I haven't. I think that's probably been the nature of our relationship that we always enjoy what somebody else maybe didn't hear. And to talk about the show kind of drives this entire podcast. So it's funny that we would make it into a competition, but I'm not surprised. (laughs) Well, out of 10 episodes, three of these shows we were not at together. The Grateful Dead show from Louisville in 1990. The Jerry Garcia Band show from Meriwether Post in September of 89. Those were two shows you were at that I was not because I was still in grade school. Episode two, we talked about the Fish show from the Man Music Center on August 12th, 2015 that you were not at. And we, so we've had three episodes where we discussed shows that we were not together. We'll see what happens for today's episode. But nonetheless, there are countless shows that we did not attend together. I'm standing here looking at a Pearl Jam ticket stub in my face that I know you were not at that show. So we have a a wide variety of bands we want to talk about and cover. In case you are just joining us here on Stub Me Down, the premise of the show is that over the years, Skinny and I have amassed countless ticket stubs through all of the concerts that we have seen. And what we do is we pull one of those ticket stubs and we use that concert as a jumping off point to talk about the music, talk about the experience of seeing shows in light of our 20-year friendship. As we said, some of the shows we've been to together, some of them we have not. But the idea is that we're trying to talk a little bit about what we love about going to concerts, how the music makes us feel, and then also to revisit some of the incredible shows that we have seen over the course of our lives and, of course, over the 20 years we've been friends. So today, as I said, on episode 10, Skinny is going to be stubbing me down. I'm pretty excited to get into today's show. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to stub you down. I just wanted to add on to what you said. I feel like this has been an exercise in figuring out what's important about the music that you see. Why do you keep going back? I believe the last couple of episodes have touched on that, and I want to keep going down that rabbit hole, as it were. So we were supposed to 
do this episode with our wives, but that didn't really pan out, did it, J-Dub? Right. Best laid plans. We had hoped to record on location in the Outer Banks. Things got in the way, as you might expect on a beach vacation when the cooler gets up to the beach. Recording a little bit later on in the day might not be as feasible. Honestly, Skinny, I'm not really sure that the girls wanted to be on an episode of Stub Me Down. When we started getting into how it's done and what Josh has to do and how we record, maybe they just didn't feel like it. Eventually, we'll get them on here. I want to give them the opportunity to talk about their feelings about some of the music we've seen, some of the experiences. They have great music perspectives and the fact that we get to do it all together and hopefully we'll be able to include them at some point in a later date. Well, that's all great. I want to make a personal shout out to my wife of a week and a half. She has <laughs> great musical insight as well, but she's really funny. Uh, she doesn't take it herself or the music too seriously, but she loves it so much and, and all of us do. So we have a really good time together. I think that was the original intent. Which is okay. Yeah. JW, are you ready for me to stub you down for episode 10? Yeah, man. I'm super stoked. Let me know what we got. All right, here it is. Fish. Hampton Coliseum, Hampton, Virginia, October 19th, 2018. Wow, that's a great show. That was the first of the three-night run down in Hampton in 2018. What a great night to start this run. I'm really excited for this. There's some great music to talk about here. Fish has played the Hampton Coliseum 21 times. I've been fortunate enough, Skinny, to see them 13 times at the Mothership. I'm pretty proud of that number. I think aside from Madison Square Garden, I haven't seen them at any other venue more than I have the Hampton Coliseum. I think we should look this stat up because I think I'm starting to beat you at MSG and you've definitely got me railed here at Hampton. However, Hampton being Hampton, I've seen them five times. I just have not made it down there when I wanted to. The first time I can remember I missed an important Hampton show was the Warlocks in 89 in Fall Tour. And that one I will never live down. Dark Star. Yes, that's a big hole in my life. Sorry to my children, but <laughs> huge hole in my life. I'm sorry that I missed it. I saw a lot of good Grateful Dead, but that's definitely one that I missed. I was too busy working the oyster or beer stand down at the Fells Point Festival that weekend. I'm sure that as we progress, the Hampton 89 Dark Star that Skinny was not at will come up once again. I'm so glad that I've been there. The first time I was there was 2013, so it was late. Even though I've been seeing the band since 2000, I hadn't been to Hampton, but I was so fortunate to go in 13 with Josh then too, and now 18 with a lot of people that mean a lot to us, and it was a great experience again, especially doing the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night run, because prior to that, when I saw them in 2013, I had only seen Friday and Saturday and had the ball out on Sunday, you know how it is with kids. That Sunday was a good show. You missed that. But going to see Fish at the Hampton Coliseum is really special. It is a bucket list fish thing to do. The whole venue is general admission. 
The floor is amazing. There's not a bad seat in the house. The acoustics in the building are out of this world. There is no possible way you can go see Fish at Hampton and leave disappointed. Even if the band doesn't play that well, which I've been to maybe a couple of shows where they weren't as tight. Certainly when they came back from the hiatus, they played three nights at the Hampton Coliseum in January, January 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. They were a little bit rough there, but I still had a great time. Hampton's a great town. They love it when Fish comes to town. The community embraces us. The fans that go to the shows, for the most part, are respectful and really embrace being a part of the community of Hampton, even if it's for a little while. So this is a great show to talk about. Skinny, you ready to get into this set a little bit? I am. I'm excited to talk about both of these sets, but let's start off with set one. Let's get started. All right, so let's take a look at set one from Fish, Hampton Coliseum, October 19th, 2018. The first of a three-night run down at the Hampton Coliseum on their fall tour in 2018. So they open set one with Strawberry Letter 23. That goes into Blaze On, into Mock Song, Divided Sky, Rogue, Sparkle, Undermined, Meat, into Rift, and then they close the set with a walk away. So, a 10 song first set, Strawberry Letter 23, a cover that the band debuted during the Baker's Dozen, the second night of the Baker's Dozen. Blaze On, this is a hot version of Blaze On. Why do you think Hampton is such a special place to see fish? I think Hampton brings back a lot of the old tours. And I mean, for myself, not being there and just hearing about it, that place reminds me of like a place that you definitely wanted to visit. So now people are creating these lists of places that they need to go. I would love to go to the Gorge. I've never been there. Red Rocks is definitely another one. Hampton is on that list. The best part about Hampton is seeing when you go into that mothership when you're outside of it it does look like a spaceship and if you've ever gone to the outer banks or down south to hampton roads and had the opportunity to pass this mushroom spaceship looking thing that's hampton interestingly enough we were down there with my now father-in-law and he, he played basketball there in the 70s at, at some college tournament but I always remember it for the concerts that have been played there, specifically Grateful Dead and Fish. Seeing Fish there for the first time and then the electricity of going into that Coliseum. They have the lights are different colors on each side of the concave, which is why I think inside the music is so good because there's some sort of sound wall that cre is created in a circular motion. Now, I am not by any means somebody that knows anything about sound or sound waves, scientists. I'm just saying it seems to sound better there than any place I've been besides maybe Madison Square Garden, which again is also a circular shape. So the, the best thing about Hampton is it seems like everybody is so excited to be a part of that venue. You see a lot of people that have been there several times like Josh you meet people that are going down there for the first time they have obviously this Hampton kind of road with all the hotels that go in there so there's many many people out it's a festival and I think the best part about Hampton is it's a festival atmosphere typically in the fall 
hanging on to summer maybe for me, but it's one of the best indoor arenas that you'll ever go to. So that's that's my Hampton story. I love Hampton, especially for the sound. The sound in the building is fantastic. I'm also a big fan of the fact that the entire building is GA. You can go and sit in the very top of the arena. You can go down onto the floor. There is a space for however you like to do your fish show. And it gives this very free type of feeling and energy to the experience. And it's always the first day getting in there. It's always very crowded. There's a lot going on. People are super excited. I, I get like nervous belly on the first night of a run and standing in that line trying to get into the Hampton Coliseum before the, the first night of a run what my parents would call journey proud. You're excited, but you're also a little bit nervous and anxious about what you're about to do, what you're about to see. And so Hampton Coliseum, as far as a venue, really provides that type of feeling for me. The music of this first set, if you look at this on paper, you've got some great stuff, certainly. Once you actually listen to these versions, the first set is a smoker. The Blazon, about a 12 minute version, really rocking, really spacey towards the end. You get into kind of a real strong jam. The last two minutes are just straight fire from Trey and Paige. I don't really understand why Amy, Christian's wife, does not like Blazon. Amy, if you're out there, I know you're not gonna talk to me for a couple days. Well, that's not true, she'll talk to me. She doesn't like the lyrics to that song, which I kind of understand. We have a friend of ours that says the lyrics are too songy. I mean, I can't quote any of the lyrics right now. I'm a messiah. I don't know. I'm Jedediah. Whatever they say, it doesn't make any difference. I think her problem immediately is with the lyrics of the song. Now, I don't have a problem with the lyrics of the song. I think she is relating it to an old 80s song, I Wear My Sunglasses at Night. <laughs> the Corey Hart song. However, the jams in the Blazons that we've seen, I can name them off the top of my head right now. Last year at Camden, 2019. Merriweather, I think the year before that in 2018. I've seen it a bunch of times now. And while I might not necessarily love the lyrics, the jams are just to die for. That's why you see fish is to see them jam out songs and to put their own particular spin, especially on something that you might have seen 15 times before. So I think her problem really is with the lyrics and it, she's making a comparison to an 80s song, I Wear My Sunglasses at Night. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. So I look at a song like Blazon, you can take or leave the lyrics. Blazon, it sounds like for Amy, is a vehicle. The lyrics might not be awesome, but they can get into some pretty good gems. I know a lot of people feel that way about, say, backwards down the number line or light, where they might not necessarily like the main structure of the song. The lyrics might not hit them the right way. They could be cheesy or however they might view it. But the band uses that song as a vehicle for a really sick jam. Blazon here had a really sick jam, especially just the second song in. It really set the tone for this being a strong show, the Strawberry Letter 23, and then the Blazon. They played Mock Song third, which, Skinny, did you know that we have seen 
two of the three mock songs that Fish has played ever. Now I do. I mean, that was like the Windora Bug conversation I think we had in episode seven where I didn't realize it was only played twice. So I have some stats. I just don't pay attention as much as Josh, people. That's why. I mean, I don't know what Dubs is doing over there. He's got like this crazy brain. And some of you out there have this crazy brain to remember all that. I remember seeing it at Magnaball, and it hadn't been played in quite a while. The first time it was played was at the Gorge on July 12, 2003. There was a 320 show gap until that Magnaball version in 2015, and then another 106 shows before they played it again here in Hampton. So another nice little nugget. I would definitely put this in the Windora Bug category, although Windora Bug was only played twice, and we saw one of those. Here we've seen two of the three mock songs. Fun song. It's not really a jammy piece of music, but it's definitely one to enjoy, mainly for the stats. So after they played the mock song, uh, they followed up with Divided Sky. This is a nice version of Divided Sky. I think it clocked in at almost 15 minutes, maybe a little bit over 15 minutes. Divided Sky is the quintessential fish song, I feel. It's part of Gamehenge. It's got this air of royalty to it, part of the fish canon. It's kind of the, for any of you Catholics out there, it's kind of the Our Father of fish and everybody knows the song everybody loves it when trey does the ego pause but this was a nice version we talked a little bit about trey's ego pause in episode five of stub me down when we brought in our friend billy but the jam at the end really nice very high peak from that they go into rogay rogay is one of those songs where the circus is the place for me i think is a good description of the fish crowd overall and there's really a nice blissful jam that leads to this great build up at the end. They drop into Sparkle after that. The Undermine that they played, Skinny, it sounded a little bit like Trey was channeling Jerry in some of the licks that he was playing about the middle of that. I hear that a lot. I've had fans around me tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I've heard Jerry in, in those licks. Listening back, I definitely hear that tone. I've heard him go into certain jams where I, I swear to God, at any point, he's going to break into an I Know You Rider. So I know all you fans are listening to that out there, too, and you're in the crowd or you're re-listening back in your car or your homes or whatever. And there's a lot to gain from that where Trey's head's at. I think it's interesting when he does it. I think it's interesting when other fans too are like, I didn't hear that dude, he always does that. That's some sort of like A minor, C major progression. Well, maybe you're right, I'm not a guitarist, so I wouldn't know. I just don't think you're giving him due credit that he can play a bunch of different tones that definitely reminds you of something in that space. Actually, it kind of reminds me of this show, but. I do recall when you were up in New York for New Year's Eve run from 2018, I believe it was a blazon that you called me and you said, Josh, I swear to God, they were teasing I Know You Rider in there. That was a blazon, right? Is that a blazon? I believe that was a blazon. I remember that call. Amy said that she had heard that too. Of course, I'm going to try to be on my high horse, and I definitely heard that. And I had said it to a couple people around me. You're like, nah, dude. I remember actually tweeting something about it and somebody subtweeted me or whatever happens there and said that's like a chord progression 
It certainly sounds like a chord progression that's I Know You Rider. And I've heard that song a thousand times, so you tell me I'm wrong. Okay. That's where we talk about teases a lot. And I think we we can kind of talk about teases. Teases are a part of what Fish does, and I would think that anybody that doesn't know or think Trey doesn't know what he's doing, I, would, I should say, he obviously does. So I know what I heard, fans, and it was in the middle of a blazon. That was a good call. You remembering that late night phone call after a show. That's kind of random. I do remember listening back to the blazon. December 29th of 2018, there was definitely an I Know You Rider feel in there, which would make sense. Trey spent some time playing a lot of Grateful Dead music when he was getting ready for Fairly Well in 2015. He's also very knowledgeable about other music, so they tend to drop those things in there. Now, of course, in any set list notes, you don't necessarily see an I Know You Rider teaser in there, but... Nonetheless, a pretty cool feature. Not that there was a specific Grateful Dead tease in this undermined, but you definitely had a little bit of a Jerry feel in Trey's tone. Paige really shined on that undermined as well. After that, they go into Meat. Meat Skinny has a stop-start jam built in at the end of that. It's not improvised per se, but it still builds that same tension and release that you get from the stop-start jams that we talked about in episode 7 of Stub Me Down. Really nice version here of Meat off of Story of the Ghost. Rift, and then they closed out the set with Walk Away, James Gang Tune, Joe Walsh, Fishman, who I know you sometimes think might be underrated or overrated, depending on the conversation, goes berserk at about the 345 mark and just absolutely destroys it. He's very octopus-like in that segment of music. Great way to wrap up the first set and definitely leaving us ready for more. Yeah, I love Walk Away. It was funny. I skip over that a lot, but if you go back to listen to a lot of Walk Away, I can see how Fishman goes nuts. He always hits the perfect timing on a lot of those tunes that they cover. I can think off the top of my head right now like a Frankenstein or the Moby Dick famous Moby Dick that he's done. Okay, he's not overrated. (laughs) Is that what you're getting at here? I I think when you said he was underrated in a previous episode, well, maybe in fact he's overrated. (laughs) Alright, I don't think he's overrated. He's rated. He's very good. So, just to review the first set, they open the show with Strawberry Letter 23, into Blaze On, into Mock Song. They took a break before they played Divided Sky, then Brogay, into Sparkle, into Undermind, Meat, and they close the set with Rift into Walk Away for a 10-song first set. Set two, Skinny. Karini's gonna get you. The band comes out, they drop Karini. Karini goes into Sand, which goes into Golden Age, which goes into Twist, which goes into Mountains in the Mist. Then they take a little bit of a break. Meat Stick comes up next. Meat stick into split open and melt to close the set, and then they encore with the lizards. Man, if there's a couple of songs to start out a set, Karini Sand, Golden Age Twist, send me home. Send me home after that. I don't even need the rest of the set. I don't use this term often, but for this set too, that's a motherfucker of a set. That's everything that you really want to see, and then plus, there's a huge jam 
golden age to twist. You can even really start with the Carini. I mean, the whole thing is a jam all the way until they get really into the mountains of the mist. It blends all together, but there's so many different parts. As a fan, it's really hard to keep up with that when you're in the moment of the show, but when you listen back, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But that is a motherfucker on the set. Sorry for you young listeners out there. That's a double curse word. This show has that top to bottom feel for me, anyway. This Sand is my favorite fish tune. We've seen some great ones. Sand has really evolved over time. When we talked about your second fish show in episode three, Garden State of Mind, the sand there, very different from this sand. This one clocks in at about nine minutes. The version we saw at your second show was about 20 minutes. So sand has evolved over time. Not that they can't drop a 20 minute sand these days, but it's a different type of jam now than it was 20 years ago. Sand to me has the hardest bass line ever. That intro, when Gordon starts going and you've got Fishman on the cymbals right behind him before the rest of the band comes in, to me there is not a harder bass line in the Fish catalog than Sand and I love it. This version, about nine minutes, so it's about a standard length. After they drop back into the primary bass line and melody of Sand, you think it's gonna end, but they give you like another minute and a half. And what does anybody want while they're listening to Sand? More Sand. Kind of made me think of the version that we heard in Mexico at my 100th show on January 15th, 2016. They played the song, they dropped back into the bass line, and then they jammed it out once again for another couple of minutes. Great version here. The Golden Age, though, is the highlight of this second set. 22 minutes, they do a lot of different things. Talk a little bit about the Golden Age, what you thought about it, the jam. Well, Golden Age is a great cover tune. I've seen it a bunch, and this version has it all. After the initial lyrics of the song, it goes into, I guess, what you would characterize as a type two jam. Then it also divulges into some quotes from 2014 Chilling Thrilling Sounds, which it's part of their repertoire now. I've seen that drop in so many times, but this was like such a great one. So since they played Chilling Thrilling Sounds, They've dropped in a bunch of this stuff lately, whether it be in YEMs or other songs, and now they drop this shipwreck quotes into this. And we can go back to other episodes when we've talked about these drop-ins. I know that some older fans out there, Fish, don't really like it, but I think it's amazing. It really whips the crowd up. And Shipwreck is not a song that's been played. It's only been sampled either in a tune or teased a little bit. And maybe we could even discuss was it really played? Because it seemed like it was. <laughs> oh, wait, I think I caught you off guard. <laughs> so I love, and we've talked about this previously, I love when they drop in the chilling, thrilling sound samples. The shipwreck here at the end of this golden age really reminded me of, again, when we were in Mexico, the last night they opened the second set with it down with disease and they had the shipwreck teases toward the end of that down with disease and i wrote down shipwreck even though it wasn't necessarily the melody 
of the song Shipwreck from Chilling Thrilling Sounds. They stuck with it for a while, and the spot in this golden age where they put that in was just phenomenal. And that whole golden age, especially when you get to about the 12, 13 minute mark, you are in a spaceship and you are literally about to blast off. And the last three minutes of that jam has to be what space sounds like. Being at Hampton and feeling like you're gonna take off, it's kind of the one thing everybody will post on Instagram or Twitter, where they'll have a picture of Hampton. They're obviously outside of it and they're like ready for liftoff. Because it is, it's just that spaceship feel. I know that fish totally thrives on that. And I think the golden age for this night in particular Obviously, if you catch the whole run, there's other moments for you that feel like liftoff. I feel like Fish constantly does that when they're playing here, is that they want you to feel like you are about to lift off, about to blast off. That's so cheesy. But anyway, I feel like they know what's going on and the fans get so whipped up. This Golden Age will definitely whip up any crowd. It's great. Golden Age is, is one of those interesting songs that I've learned about a band because of a cover that Fish has played. I couldn't tell you another song from TV on the radio's catalog aside from Golden Age. And that's okay. I'm cool with it. Every time I've seen Golden Age by Fish, it's been awesome. This version has got to be up there with some of the best golden ages that I've seen. The bass bombs during the outro transition into twist. Gordon's just lighting up the room. You can feel that bass in your soul, your feet, your head, your heart. It really hit everybody. What an impressive segment of music to open up with a 12-minute Carini, then a 9-minute Sand, and then drop this about 22 minute golden age and then to follow it up with another almost 10 minute twist you're talking about an hour of music there that is mind-blowing we're not into rankings here on stub me down but probably one of the most impressive beginnings to a second set definitely that i've seen at hampton coliseum and i've seen a lot of good music at the mothership that's always what drives my interest into why people compare different eras of fish, the 1.0, the 2.0, the 3.0, and apparently the 4.0. I mean, they, they can really knock it out of the park when they're at Hampton. I think it's just a great place to see them. And obviously the first four songs of the second set, you know, yeah, you saw them in 97 or 95, but this is obviously a different wine than you've had so I, I love the opening of this second set. I think it's everything that I chased them for. It's amazing. Nice version of Twist coming in. Twist being one of the only songs where wooing is actually appropriate and accepted, at least as far as I'm concerned. Mountains in the Mist, man, they dropped that in the perfect spot for a nice little breather. Followed that up with Meat Stick. Standard delivery on Meat Stick. Always fun. They do the Japanese lyrics. We've talked about that before. And they closed out the second set with a split open and melt, which as a set closer is probably up there with one of my favorites. They're going to send everybody home happy. This particular version, Trace Tone, about the 5 minute, 20 second mark, just gets so dirty and dark. The jam totally breaks down at about the eight minute mark. 
I can't imagine how hard it is. Well, of course I can because I'm not a musician, but you think about when the split open and melt devolves into what sounds like four guys just playing random notes without any connection to each other, how much they're actually still working together and then how quickly they're able to pull out of that, jump back into a more formal jam and then back in to close out, split open and melt. Really a fire way to close this set. Do you ever make like a nice launch with like maybe a glass of milk or like orange soda on a tray and bring it into a living room or whatever? And as you're walking, you make a misstep and you just like drop it all on the floor. That's what happens in this split open amount. It's a fucking mess. And somehow for this band to be able to take a mess like that and almost rewind and pick it up before you dropped it and then come back to it, that's what I love about a split open amount. There are certain dissonant changes in that song that I we say all the time here on Stub Me Down. <laughs> They're not pleasing to your ear. There are certain changes in that song, like I'm like, oh God, stop. And then they pick it up for you and they come back to the place where you belong. This split open and melt totally does that. And also, I know you're gonna talk about it, but it does that in the lizards too. And I've been prone to leave encores before. <laughs> certain times I've seen a lot of encores the same as all of you probably have seen out there. It's okay to leave early. I have a wife now, you know, gotta get her home and get her something to eat before she gets mad at me. But the split open and melt does that for me. There are certain parts of the song that I really don't appreciate, but somehow Fish has this ability to pick up the dissonance, to pick up the ambient noise, and then put it all back together again like you dropped a puzzle on the floor or your lunch. That's what I think people don't understand about this band, and when you try to turn them onto it, they have a really hard time with that in particular. And if I listen to this version of Split Open and Mouth and need somebody to listen to it and be like, dude, man, I, I don't get it. Wow, that's okay. <laughs> that's a great way to put it, that you knocked over a tray of drinks, not unlike you did a couple weeks ago when we were on the boat. True story. Or a puzzle that's fallen on the floor and all the pieces are making their own noise and then the band quickly picks it up and puts it back together. This split open and melt feels just like that. I also think that your comment about how other people might view something like that or might hear something like that is interesting and valid here. Oftentimes when I'm sitting at work and I've got fish playing and they do something weird, I do kind of pick my head up and look around and I'm like, is anybody like looking at me going, what the hell is that guy listening to in there? Sometimes they're weird and they get to this breakdown, this disconnect, what most people would think would be a disconnect because we've seen them so many times and we've seen their ability to dissolve a song into this kind of dissonance as you mentioned but then quickly snatch it back up and pull it back together is one of my favorite features of the band and really one of my favorite features of jam music altogether. I mean you think about the Grateful Dead and their ability to go in and out of ambient jams as tight as they could 
Same with Government Mule, we talked a little bit about that. And the Almond Brothers, song like Mountain Jam. There's this breakdown that really tells you what kind of conversation these guys are having with each other musically. And for them to be able to completely dissolve away from a tune, but then pick it back up again. It's not, quite frankly, unlike the stop-start jam that we've talked about, where they're in one place, they stop, and then they pick back up. This, they're in one place. They don't necessarily stop. They keep playing something, but then they come back around to the main structure of whatever song they're in. And Split Open and Melt is a great vehicle for that type of jam. Yeah, it's just chops. Fish has total chops. They know exactly what they're doing. And I always talk to my students about them, like, Mr. Anderson, when are they gonna sing? You know, that'll happen too. <laughs> I think the conversation about them being able to leave off or pick up wherever they want to is always going to be something that we talk about on Stop Me Down. They always bring it back somehow, and that is one of my favorite features of Fish as well. They encored with the Lizards. A Lizards encore for a Fish show is got to be one of the better encores that they can pull out. This is like a 14-minute version of Lizards, too. I really like this tune. You know, the trick is to surrender to the flow, but I always thought that the Lizards was kind of the Cliff Notes version of Gamehenge. So to end a show with this, we had a couple of Gamehenge tunes throughout the show, Divided Sky in the first set. This was a great encore, and there's not a lot of people... Maybe not even yourself that would head for the exits when the first notes of a Lizards comes out for an encore. I have headed for the exits one time because it was pouring down rain in Hartford, but that's a different story. Amy, you were there. <laughs> this one, we did not leave. I love when Fish does this encore, so I'm definitely going to stay. You're not going to stay for everything. There's certain things that you got to get to or cabs or ubers or whatever after a show but you know this is one i'm definitely going to stay for especially at hampton coliseum yeah a lot of fun great version the lizards to send us home capped off what in my opinion is a top to bottom great fish show so just to review the second set they opened with carini into sand into golden age into twist mountains in the mist meat stick they ended the set with Split Open and Melt, and the encore was Lizards. Quite a show at Hampton Coliseum, Friday, October 19th, 2018, Skinny. This was a great one, man. Thanks for stubbing me down on this one. Yeah, it was awesome. We had to walk home, too, this night, all the way to the, the Hampton Inn, which was a couple miles up the road. Now, it's a straight shot if you've ever been to Hampton. They had these bushes where I thought, like, some sort of criminal like murderer was gonna jump out at us so it was a little bit scary after the show but we made it past those bushes we passed them all week i just remember having such a great time with the crew that we had down there i know that for this show we were probably like eight or nine strong does that sound about right yeah we were deep we had obviously myself you megan amy jo was with us our buddy vic megan's sister julia who else was that it Mark, Amanda, yeah, so... We had a great crew. I remember Billy came down also uh, at some point over that weekend. I'm not Sunday. Sure. Yeah, I think he was down for Sunday, so he only came down for one night. Uh, I do remember the rapey bushes that we had to walk by. I also remember, I think it was Saturday, everybody was hanging out at the bar in the strip mall, and 
Megan was tired, so I took her home and then walked back, and then I got there, and everybody was hammered, and I was like, eh, I don't really want to hang out. I'm going to go back. <laughs> I will do my very best to never miss another Hampton show because of experiences like this weekend, the one we had in 2013 when we went down for those shows. Hampton Coliseum is a must visit if you are a Fish fan. Get out there. Get it crossed off your list and make sure that it's one venue that you see this band at because it is one of the coolest places that they play on the reg. Can I just say one thing? You can see fucking Reba McIntyre there. I don't care. It's still Hampton, dude. Like, Hampton is Hampton. So it's a must. It really is. It definitely has a special feel as far as venues that we have seen fish. Skinny, you got anything left for the October 19th, 2018 fish show from the Mothership, the Hampton Coliseum for episode 10? I don't. Well, wait, I do. I just wanted to say thank you. This 10 episode ride has been amazing. The work that Josh has put into these episodes has been awesome. And and we hope that we get a lot of feedback from you guys after these episodes are posted wherever you might find them. So it's been awesome. We're going to do it again. Season two. We will be doing a season two. We will be back. I can guarantee you that. Whether you will be back is another story. I will also echo Christian's thanks. We hope that you have enjoyed us talking about not only these shows, but the stories that go along with them. Most importantly, I hope that you have had the opportunity to go back and listen to some of the music that we've talked about We have seen some incredible music over our friendship, over our lifetimes, and one of the goals here on Stub Me Down is for us to revisit that music and share those experiences with people that have a similar mindset and similar musical interests. So if you do want to continue the conversation with us, you can check us out on social media. We are at stub underscore me underscore down on Twitter, and we are also at the same address on Instagram, stub underscore me underscore down. On behalf of all of us here at Stub Me Down, once again, thank you so much for checking us out this season. We hope that you will join us again for season two, which will be coming very soon. And we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Sweet. See you, everybody. Mm-hmm.